0: And welcome to episode 42 of the Classical Guitar Composers Podcast. As always, I am your host, Chris Hales. Glad to be bringing you another episode of the only show that features your original classical guitar music. If this is your first time joining me, the show is simply a place where you can feature your original compositions. I air them on the podcast. The only rule is that it's a classical guitar piece and that you're recording is decent and it's of a real classical guitar as opposed to a finale audio print of a piece you wrote. On this show, I like to hear the sweet tones of the nylon string or gut, if you're a real old school enthusiast. So I'm glad to be bringing you this show today. I've got to give you a heads up. I don't think I'm going to be able to do a podcast in July. I might, but uh, I'm just looking at the schedule I'm going to have a pretty packed month next month. And so might be out till August. So if you don't get a July show, don't worry. It's coming right back in August. Just got done practicing guitar and wanted to jump right into this. Have you ever had one of those days where you, it's your, if you're like me, your appointed time to practice that one of the few times you have where you've set it aside for guitar practice, but you're just not feeling it. I was really tempted to skip guitar practice today. I just wasn't in the mood. And then, you know, worked my way through the warmups and then had like one of the best practices I've had in weeks. I I do that all the time. Like if I don't want to practice, it means I probably should practice. But I've, I've been really enjoying it. I've, I've, From time to time, I realize that uh, I've learned a lot of pieces over the years, and I I can't play a lot of them anymore. So, and you know, I I try to make some time where I don't focus on something new, but I rather work up an old piece, work an old piece into my fingers. And so I've been doing that in, in the rotation. You know, I've got I've got some I've got a composition I'm working on. I've got a couple of new pieces, and I've got two pieces that I learned a long time ago. So one of those is Capriccio Arabe by Francisco Targa. That's such a great piece and I've I've learned it <laughs> I mean I learned it early on. I've I've reworked it so many times and every time I'm like this is such a great piece. Why did I put this down? But you know, I guess it's that you want to do new things, but that that piece is really cool. And it's very it's a very gettable piece. if you're if you're kind of a if you're a beginning guitarist, I think that's a great piece to strive for. That, that's kind of a that'd be a pretty large work to somebody who's fairly green and, and new to classical guitar, but it'd be definitely something to strive for. Nothing about it is really that difficult if you have good technique. And if you just have familiarity with the guitar, but you know we're all at different levels. But that's a great one to strive for. And if you're like a really advanced guitarist, that piece probably feels like it's on the easier side. But it's a do- it's a delightful little piece that's you know very gettable. I, I just I, I love that piece. So I've been doing that. And then I I haven't touched Austerius in years, and I'm pretty sure you know <laughs> most people who play classical guitar will at some point work on Asturias. I've done it several times over the years, but uh, it's been quite a while and I'm always, I don't know what it is. I is. love that piece, but I, I get sick of it, I think. But anyway, right now I'm in the love it mode because it's been a long time since I've played it. It's very fun to play and as you work it back into your fingers and get the sloppiness out, I get, the, get the technique refined and the timing all good, that piece is its a very showy piece and it's It's really fun. So I'm having a blast revisiting some of these old pieces. I just had a great practice today. So, you know, put me in a good mood, I guess. If you have listened to any episode of this show ever, you're probably aware that I have a borderline unhealthy obsessive love for iced tea. (laughs) And I've been coming to terms with something, well... I'm in the process of coming to terms with something. Let me put it this way. I am considering... Well, no, I'm thinking about considering... Maybe one day giving up caffeine. Which would, of course, include iced tea. I'm not doing it today. I'm not doing it tomorrow. I might not do it next year, but but I might next year start considering that maybe... I should... (laughs) Because here's the thing, as I'm getting older, I'm paying more attention to my health, I'm noticing uh, my body does not bounce back from things like it used to, you know, I'm in the the latter half of my 30s, and, you know, I just don't feel great a lot of the time. (laughs) and I think a lot of it has to do with my caffeine consumption when I was I don't know how old I was I quit drinking caffeine somewhere in like my early 20s for like a year or something like that I got off of coffee and I wasn't drinking iced tea and I did it because I did it basically for music I was getting really nervous when I would play in like master classes or when I would play for judges because this was when I was in college and I thought maybe if I uh, gave up the caffeine it would help help me calm down a little bit and not be so nervous and honestly it didn't it didn't do anything for my nerves so I had to find better solutions for nerves but um, and really the best solution for Nerves is to just play in front of people a lot That's really The only way I think to get over it You just have to do it a lot You have to be willing to have some bad performances Be willing to embarrass yourself What you think is embarrassing A lot of the time You know A bad performance What I feel like is a horrible performance People, you know People thought was great But You know Anyway it didn't help at all, but I know <laughs> I know I should probably stop. I'm a I'm like I'll, I'll give you a little window into myself. I'm a highly addictive person. I guess I was just born that way, whatever whatever it is. I if I ever wrote an autobiography, it would be called Addicted to Everything. And you know, that it can be unhealthy things. It's also like on and off, you know. Uh, if I get on a fishing kick, fishing's like all I want to do, and it it might be. It'll be like borderline obsessive, and then it'll it'll be disc golf. And right now, I'd, I'd probably have a better balance of those kind of things. Right now, I'm doing a little fishing each week, little disc golf each week, not too obsessively. But I am reaching a point where I'm just tired of being like physically dependent on caffeine, so. Feels like the show just wouldn't be the same without it, but... Anyway, that's on my mind. I'll tell you what else. I need to pay attention to dates when I come across an article on the internet, because... (laughs) I came across this article, and I was like, Well, this is juicy. It was about classical guitar. And I was like, Huh, do I want to talk about this on my show? And... I thought I would mention it. I thought I'd, I'd get into it a little bit uh, because it was some kind of juicy uh, gossip in the classical guitar world. <laughs> and then I I went looking for it again. I wanted to read it again and see if I really did want to talk about it or what from the article I wanted to talk about. And it took me a while to find it, and I don't know how it is. I just came across it the other day, but uh, it was 10 years old so the, it's not news it's, it was news 10 years ago, anyway it was just, it was John Williams, the guitarist was uh, coming out with his autobiography and, and kind of was ripping on Segovia and I I found it very interesting what I was reading and well yeah, this is old news, turns out <laughs> so I'd like to maybe read the book, I mean it sounded kind of interesting he was talking about segovia bullying students and you know i mean i don't i don't think it's really that revealing in the age of youtube there's a lot of videos of segovia <laughs> he really does not seem like a nice guy i've also read like a lot of letters he wrote and i read this one where he's just ripping he he wrote a letter to ponce and he's just ripping on villalobos and you know he, and then writes like something real nice about Villalobos to Villalobos to for his I think it was for his etudes anyway but I'm not going to get into 10 year old stuff so speaking of Villalobos though at my job this week I I had an unusual recording session I actually had a few we had a show that called for steel drum and it's like wall to wall like the entire show which is like an hour and a half of music pretty much is non-stop has non-stop steel drum playing and it's a fairly it's a fairly unusual instrument to come across in really any orchestration so this percussionist came in and I was recording him on steel drum and uh, my friend Parker, who you might know from episodes where he's been a guest, he recorded the same guy on Marimba. The guy's a just got his doctorate in percussion. And he was telling me, you know, we, we got talking, and when he found out that I was a classical guitarist, he wanted to talk about Villalobos, because I believe it was for his uh, Ph.D., he, he did a big study on um, how well get, uh, classical guitar music transcribes to the marimba, which I find really interesting. I would have never thought of that, but he was talking about their similarities in timbre. And I was like, okay, I kind of see that. Um, but also, you know, they play with four mallets and we typically have, you know, other than strumming, we're playing with four, we're plucking four strings at the most, unless we're rolling chords or whatever. So in the same way a marimba can kinda of roll chords. So I guess guitar music transfers really well to marimba. And this guy particularly was studying Brazilian guitar, Brazilian classical guitar, and is transcribing some via lobos. He's he's done a uh, choral, he called it choro. I've never heard it pronounced that way, but however it's pronounced. He's done that on marimba, so I told him we're gonna have to. He's gonna have to show it to me because I'm really interested in hearing that. But I I thought that was pretty fascinating. I've actually always really really liked the marimba, and I I always kind of liked islandy music, so maybe that's why. But I I'd love to hear this because I think the marimba is a really gorgeous instrument, and it'd be kind of cool to hear. You know, we're usually playing the transcriptions for guitar. I haven't heard of a lot of music being transcribed from guitar to another instrument. Uh, Maybe harp does a little bit, I wonder. I bet harpists play some classical guitar. But I don't know. But uh, I guess what I would have thought maybe is, is piano is what you'd pull music from to play on the marimba, but, you know, thinking a little more thoroughly about it, that probably wouldn't work, trying to use four mallets. I once heard a percussionist play the Bach the Fugue from the G minor sonata for solo violin, which is also a common guitar piece I think it's usually played in A minor on guitar but I heard a guy play that on xylophone, that was pretty cool so I guess maybe they're pulling from more of the same stuff we are and speaking of Lobos, in my journey my quest to have learned and fingered and, and played as well as I can every Villalobos solo guitar piece. I've only got a few left. I'm on Etude number 9. I've done 10. I might do 10 again, because 10 is, 10 is, I think, the first piece that has ever, like, defeated me, (laughs) that I've tried thoroughly to learn, did my absolute best with it, and was just defeated by it. But, you know, that was... I don't know eight years ago like I'm better I've gotten better since then so I want to give it another try but the only ones I've never really done are 9 11 and 12 and even 11 I've read through 11 a thousand times and I'll like play through it but I've never I've never had it be like an active piece that I'm working on and 11 is really cool 11 might be my favorite etude but I'm gonna say this very carefully I think that the Villalobos etudes are slightly overrated. I don't know that they really teach technique very well. Uh, I think what they are, are they're hard and <laughs> they they will kind of, I mean some are a little more technical than others, like, like etude number one is a great etude, great etude it makes a concert piece if you want to use it that way it's very musical and it serves the purpose of an etude working on those arpeggiated patterns whatever right hand technique you use for it it's it's going to advance your technique I think that etude number three does that fairly well I guess yeah, alright okay maybe I'm gonna walk back what I said a little bit They they all have some A pretty good technical aspect to them maybe I don't know like number eight is it really an etude eight eight feels more like a prelude to me and I love eight eight's one of my favorite ones but um, I'm not really big on number nine that's what I'm working on now and I'm I'm like it's okay Uh, I like it more when I'm playing it than I ever did before but I still don't I, I can't imagine ever programming the piece in a concert I didn't love number four. I liked number four better as I learned it. It's all—they're all, all kind of like that, but for you know, just just hearing number four before I ever did it, I thought it was so boring. I think it's a little bit okay. I can see the technique it's using, but I can't think of a whole lot of real-world application of that technique. I guess that's that's what it is. Same with number six. I, I wasn't—I was having a hard time enjoying number six and so that leaves uh, 12 that I I 12 is like the one I don't think I've ever even read through 12 I don't think I've ever touched 12 it it, it doesn't interest me in the least bit listening to it but um, I gave it a listen the other day because I was I was going through the I was listening to the etudes because I was starting this new one. And I had just been talking to the percussionist about Villalobos, so I was kind of in a Villalobos mood. And so as I was listening to 12, I was like, okay, this sounds like it actually might be pretty fun to play. We'll see. But those etudes are held in a pretty high regard in general, and I don't think that they're... I think they're maybe just a bit overrated. I'd much rather listen to Carcassi's etudes. And some of some of Carcassi's etudes are boring, but some of them are really fun to play, and I'd say a good handful of them are really musical. And one that comes to mind, like the final etude of Carcassi's set of 25, number 25, I've heard, I don't know if it's true, but I've heard that Via Lobos used that as inspiration for etude number 2, which... I mean, starts out very similar. It starts out on that A major arpeggio. And I got to tell you, I, I, not only is the Carcassi one more fun to play <laughs> than the et- Etude number two by Villalobos, I think it's just more musical. I think Etude number 24 by Carcassi makes a nice little piece. And it's not that Etudes have to be, you know, they don't have to work as a concert piece, but man, they are much better if they do. They're, they're so much more fun to play when they do. So, I have mixed feelings about the Villalobos Etudes, and I definitely like some more than others. I, I, most people, I'm sure, like some more than others, but they're, they're definitely the hardest Villalobos stuff to play by far. They're so much more difficult than the Suite or the Preludes. They're harder than Coral, but I love playing those Preludes, and I love playing that Suite. So I, I like those better. I just, I like those better. I think the Brazilian suite is the other stuff the percussionist had been transcribing for Marimba. Now, to confess something, I've only worked through the Carcassi and the Villa etudes. I've never gone through the sore ones. Who else has sets of etudes? I'm not even totally sure. So, you know, I'm looking at a probably what would equate a small window of the overall scope of etudes for guitar maybe there's way more interesting ones but I do feel like these are the more well-known ones these and the sore ones which I never never done on my shelf I do have some I have some etude book written by a guy who I think is a more of a professor than a established composer I don't remember his name but he wrote a set of etudes that he wrote as a... like a, What would you call it? Like a a step before the Villalobos etudes. So you, his idea is you work these to help prepare you for the Villalobos etudes. Anyway, I did one of his, and I thought it was really cool. And I listened to another one, and I thought that one was really cool. So I'm actually going to go backwards. I'm going to, when I finish the Villalobos etudes, I'm going to crack open this guy's book again and work on the etudes. I don't remember his name and I may have understated his credentials so (laughs) I'm just not going to say his name. And one final thought before I go to music. I watched a horror movie I'd never seen recently as I do from time to time. Still haven't seen any horror movies I'm really into that have come out lately. I'll let you know if I do but I had never seen Any of the sequels to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I've seen the original. I've seen the remake. From 2003. Which I love. And I've seen what came out after that one. Which was like a prequel to that one. And I thought that one was terrible. And that was where I'd I'd stopped. I watched the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. The other day. (laughs) Which is. Filmed sometime in the mid 80's. I'm not totally sure when. That movie was freaking bonkers. (laughs) I kind of loved it, and there were some things I hate about it, for sure, but it was pretty fun, and now I'm thinking about working my way through those at some point, (laughs) if I ever find time to watch more movies, but I didn't like the portrayal of Leatherface in part two. They kind of tried to make him a bit more like Jason. Made him a lot less scary and a lot... And it just kind of was weird. And that... Uh, yeah. But... Overall, that movie was just... Bonkers. That was pretty fun. If you're into horror... And you're into... Just something that's... Nuts. That's a good one. Speaking of that... I, I'm i really curious about... Uh, I'd like to get some... Listener feedback on this. I've I've had some good... Positive feedback on, on the October shows I've been doing where we talk horror movies instead of doing a guitar show uh, does anybody like really enjoy it or do you guys want me to stop doing that because I'm thinking about doing it again this year I'm probably going to uh, but I would be curious I would like to know and uh, if you don't like it it's not going to hurt my feelings so you know go ahead and tell me okay with that I'm going to go to some music. I'm excited to share something with you today. I know I had talked about doing an interview. Uh, I haven't touched base with the potential guest, and I really I just haven't had time to set up. It, it's a little more involved to set up an interview and do a podcast with that. I want to do it and still plan to, but uh, the guy who's going to come on I know has been uh, really, really busy, as have I, so... It might not be the right time of year to do it. We'll, we'll hopefully get one in, though, because I'd, I'd really like to talk to him. But today, uh, you know, in the past episode, I've talked about friend of the show, Christian Heim. He's he's recorded an album. It's scheduled for a release uh, on June 24th. And I'm, I'm I just think it's really cool Uh he's releasing an album that's his own compositions on a guitar that he built. I mean, it's really cool. So he's going to give us another preview of the album. So Christian writes, Hey Chris, I really enjoyed the last episode. Great to hear that you have time to play and compose a bit more again. I know how important that it is for my own well-being. It is fun to hear your feedback on the sound of my recordings. It is mainly the guitars doing the job. I spend about five minutes in cube bass doing some tweaks and mastering. I even disable EQ, because I don't know how to use it properly. I have found something that works for me, I guess. Speaking of guitars, I just completed another, guitar number 8. I'm a bit biased, but in my opinion it turned out amazing. My wife tells me that it is her favorite so far, but she is referring more to the visual than the sound. I can share some more details about it once it has found its way to its new home in the near future. I will most likely share some recordings from the setup tests on my YouTube channel as well. With regards to the pieces on my album, I am really happy that you feature them on your show. Here is a collection of three pieces I have called Nocturnal that is on the upcoming album. So if you want to use them in this month's episode, that would be really awesome, actually since that coincides with the release of my album. Once the album is released on the 24th, I will send you the link to the album on Spotify. Anyway. Here's the link to Nocturnal, part 1 through 3. And he added, Well, let me correct that one comment a bit. When it comes to the album, I had a professional help me with the final production and mastering of all the pieces. Christian. Thanks, Christian. So yeah, and just a quick comment on the EQ. Personally, I don't ever use EQ on a solo guitar recording. I think EQ's more purpose is helping things sit in the mix letting everything be heard and not having harmonic frequencies fight with each other. And other than that, you know, maybe a decorating an instrument, you know, in like a, a unique way that you want this instrument to sound. But it, I can't imagine anyone wanting to mess with the sound of a, a nice nylon classical guitar. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd say if you're you're wanting to mess with the EQ, maybe try different miking positions before you start EQing. That's just a personal opinion. I like to just use a, a light compression and a, a light reverb, and that's it. Like Christian says, let the guitar do most of the work. So, with that, we're going to hear these uh, three parts to Nocturnal by Christian Heim from his upcoming album. And these are Lullaby, The Dream, and Aurora Borealis. we've just heard Nocturnal in three parts by Christian Heim thanks Christian with that I'm going to call it a day I'd like to thank you all for joining me on this episode and remember if you have a classical guitar piece you'd like to be featured, you'd like to have featured on the show just send an mp3 recording to chris at classicalguitarcomposers.com also if you'd like to help out the show and get a little something in return, this kind of only applies to guitar players but you can buy Some of my sheet music, if you go to classicalguitarcomposers.com, click on the link Sheet Music. I've got a couple of suites for sale, including the American Suite, which features the theme from this show. So thank you for joining me today. I'll be with you again next time, possibly in August, if not July. Until then, keep on plucking.